Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome in, podcast listeners. Hope you guys had fantastic weekends. We got a ton to discuss in college football and the NFL. The playoff committee's top four is out. Did we agree or disagree with it? And we will dive into the NFL week that was. What did we learn, if anything? Titans on fire. So too, 49ers, Ravens, and the Chiefs, all that and more, plus the committee, like I said, gets it right. LSU number one overall. This will be the Outkick podcast. Hope you enjoy it. It begins now. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. <laughs> You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Monster weekend of NFL and college football. I was down in Atlanta and watched LSU dismantle Georgia in person. Shout out to the college football playoff committee for getting the top four right. I believe LSU should have been number one. Number two should have been Ohio State. Number three should have been Clemson. And number four should have been Oklahoma. They got it right uh, early on. The numbers now, LSU around a 13-point favorite-ish over Oklahoma. Big favorite there. And it appears that Clemson is going to be around a two- or a three-point favorite over Ohio State. The Clemson-Ohio State game will be taking place in Arizona. The LSU-Oklahoma game will be taking place in Atlanta. We'll talk about those games in a little bit. And what, if at all, we learned from the final week of college football. Really, I know Army-Navy's going on this weekend. And if you haven't ever been, uh, you need to check that out at some point. Put it on the sports bucket list. But 
basically we're now ready for college football bowl season. So that was the college football picture. But in the NFL, a lot of massive games this past weekend, starting uh, starting really with early kickoffs. And I'm going to run through the three that I think are most significant and what they taught us about the NFL as we prepare to enter into Try and do the math now. Week uh, 15? Are we moving into week 15? I think we're moving into week 15. Uh, All right. So the Ravens went on the road and got the win against the Bills. This solidifies the Ravens' position as the best team in the NFL. We're going to get to the, uh, the Patriots here momentarily, but this was an ugly, physical, defensive dominated football game. And the Ravens found a way to win. They only posted 257 yards of offense, just 139 passing, and only 118 rushing. Uh, This was, I mean, just such an incredibly physical game. If you were watching it, we had an opportunity for the Bills to score. I think they would have tried to put the game into overtime as opposed to go for two, but a late incompletion driving that could have ended up uh, tying this game. Instead, the Ravens now 11-2. and The Bills fall to 9-4. and The Ravens are in very prime territory to lock up the overall number one seed when you look at their remaining three games. They've got the Jets, which should be a really easy win on Thursday night football. They are over a two-touchdown favorite in that game. Then they go on the road against the Browns. I know the Browns beat the Ravens once, but that doesn't feel like a very complicated game. Uh, And they close out with the Steelers at home. If you are a Steeler fan, the hope would be that the Ravens have already clinched home field advantage in that game and are resting their players. We'll see whether or not that could end up being the case. Uh, But that is where we are with the number one team in the AFC and maybe possibly the number one team overall in the world of football. Ravens get another close win against a really talented team. But the game of the week, and maybe the game of the year, was the 49ers going on the road and beating the Saints. To get to 11-2, and and with last night's results, put the 49ers back in first place overall in the NFC. This was, and I'm not kidding, the game of the year. It was characterized by that George Kittle, maybe epitomized by that George Kittle play down the stretch where he refused to be uh, tackled on a fourth and two play. I mean, just an incredible performance by Jimmy Garoppolo. Great game on both sides. 48-46, the 49ers outlast the Saints, and it was just an epic battle like two heavyweight fighters throwing haymaker after haymaker at each other. You had no idea how it was going to end until George Kittle made his incredible play on fourth and two, refusing essentially to get tackled. The man play of all man plays for the 49ers who went with the Seahawks loss and their win from the five seed back to the one seed. uh, And uh, the Seahawks fall from the two to the five, uh, if it's just crazy to me that one of these teams is likely to have to go on the road against uh, the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles when you consider how this thing has been going. It was an electric, exciting day uh, in general 
for offensive football in uh, in the NFL in general. Uh, and then the the other big game, and it's one that is going to lead to a lot of questions, even more than we had this week, and maybe even I'm going to have to change my opinion on the Patriots, is the Chiefs went on the road and got a win over the New England Patriots. The Patriot offense is just not good. Guys, I mean, we can we can talk about whether the Patriots are uh, are are beginning the descent. I think it's a very fair conversation at this point in time. Tom Brady stats twenty of thirty seven passing, only one hundred and eighty four passing yards. Uh, this is a scary number yards per pass. If you are a Patriots fan, four point six. They just have absolutely no explosiveness, um, and they can't run the football really either. And they went one of three in the red zone and ultimately were unable to win this game. And, uh, and, and third down was a big reason why. They went two for 12. It used to be. How long have you watched the Patriots play offensive football? It seems like Tom Brady converts third down so incredibly often. And I'm frankly not sure that the Patriots are going to be able to hold on to this division. I know that sounds crazy. Uh, but you know you got an easy what you would think would be an easy win over the Bengals, but I'm not even convinced that's going to be an easy. Really, seriously, I mean I'm not convinced that's going to be an easy win for the Patriots. And then the Bills come to town. So can the Bills put themselves in a position where they are potentially going to win this division or not? Uh, right now, you feel good about the Patriots. You should, I think about the Patriots beating the Bengals and uh, the Patri- and and the Dolphins. So that would get them to 12 wins. What's going to happen with the Bills on the road against the Patriots, we don't know. But I will say this. Look down the stretch at what the Patriots have done. They have lost to the Ravens by double digits. They have lost to the Texans. And they now have lost to the Chiefs. What team this year, other than the Bills back in week four, have the Patriots beaten that you feel good about? Okay, maybe the Steelers in week one. But since September, have the Patriots done anything that makes you feel like they are a good football team? I don't think so. Their best win of the year was on the road against the Bills by six. And that happened all the way back in the last weekend of September. Question for everybody out there. Is it possible that the Patriots are just a good football team. And the good football teams usually beat bad football teams, but then they have difficulty when they play teams with winning records. And if you look at what the Patriots have done against teams with winning records, okay, they are 3-2, and two, I believe. They beat, and they haven't won a game against a team with a winning record since September. The Steelers started off the season awful, and uh, they were fortunate to win against the Bills, I think there's a decent chance the Bills could go on the road and get the Patriots down the stretch run here. We'll see what ends up happening there. Okay, those were the three biggest games. In terms of your playoff race, this is a wild stat. I'm going to bring in Danny G in a little bit and blow his mind but uh, over the Titan performance. But here's a stat that I saw that I was dis- in dis- disbelief on. There have been 11,878 NFL games played since the merger in 1970. 
the Titans have two of the top 30 games in terms of yards per offensive play in modern NFL history in the past three weeks. This is extraordinarily rare territory. That's from Mike Herndon. The Titans are sending a signal that they potentially are elite on the offensive side of the ball suddenly with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. The Titans now 6-1 and one and playing against the Texans who got whipped. The Texans got absolutely dominated by Drew Locke, who was phenomenal. The new quarterback for the Denver Broncos, who'd been injured for much of this year, their second-round pick. He came on the road and led the Denver Broncos to a beatdown of the Houston Texans, setting up one of the biggest games coming forward in uh, the week ahead between the Texans on the road against the Titans. They are tied in the wins and losses column. Right now, the Texans have the tiebreak based on division record. But the Titans, who have won six out of seven, have a chance to take command of the division. They are three-point favorites against the Texans in Nashville. Uh, That is a game worth paying a lot of attention to as well. Now, in terms of the NFL playoff picture, which I think with three weeks to go, kind of becomes the focal point overall for most NFL fans out there. The Ravens are number one overall. They have a one and a half game lead over the New England Patriots with three games to go. The Patriots now need to win out and they need for the Ravens to lose two of their final three in order to get back to home field advantage. That doesn't appear very likely. The Kansas City Chiefs are also chasing the uh, Baltimore Ravens. They are two games back, but they have the tie break, so they're one and a half back, really. They are at the three, and they, by the way, managed to clinch the AFC West with their win and the Raiders' loss. So uh, they are, at worst, going to be the overall number four seed. The Houston Texans right now, by dint of that tiebreak over the Titans, are your four seed to represent all of the division winners, the Ravens, the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Texans, your top four. Just on the outside looking in, the Buffalo Bills sitting at nine and four, and then they just continue to win. I think he is your coach of the year. Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers went on the road and won at Arizona. So they are your sixth seed. They have the tie break over the Titans, who are really the last team alive in the AFC playoff picture. I think the Cleveland Browns and the Oakland Raiders and the Indianapolis Colts are all done at six and seven because I don't think, I don't think nine and seven is going to be good enough to make the playoffs in uh, in the uh, AFC. I think you're going to have to get to 10 wins uh, based on the way things are shaking coming down the, the stretch. But at a minimum, the Browns, the Raiders, and uh, the, the Colts would need to win their final three to get to 9-7. and seven. But like I said, I think 10-6 and six is probably going to be required to end up winning a, uh, a berth in the AFC playoffs. All right, what about the NFC? Surging from the five back to the one with the biggest win of the week, the 49ers on the road against the Saints, 48-46. Incredible win. Uh, The 49ers are now back to your one seed. They do not have a particularly easy close. 
They've got the Falcons, uh, which should be a win. And then they close uh, with the Rams and on the road against the Seahawks. That is a, uh, that's going to be a wild conclusion uh, to the NFC West. The Green Bay Packers have now slid up into the number two seed, catching a lot of people, I think, by surprise. They would be your number two seed and get a bye week. The Packers close with the Bears. Uh, then they go on the road against the Vikings, and then they close with the Lions. So you feel pretty good about getting two wins there at a minimum to get you to 12 uh, if you are a uh, if you are a Packer fan, and that would require the Vikings to continue to win to put themselves into a position where that Packers game can matter. But first, the Vikings have to go on the road against the Chargers. They then close against the Bears, but that Packers-Vikings game looks like it could be an interesting and intriguing one uh, as you uh, as you look ahead. The challenge is Green Bay is 3-0 and in the division, and the uh, Vikings are 2-2. Two and two. So the tiebreak scenario not looking like it would go in the Vikings' favor. So the Packers look very good to win that division right now. Falling to the three, uh, the New Orleans Saints, who have already won their division, but they are now your three seed. And you feel pretty good about them having the three seed locked up uh, effectively because the Dallas Cowboys are awful. And they are sitting at six and seven, and they would get to host a home playoff game with the Seattle Seahawks having to go on the road against Dallas. It'd be a rematch of wildcard weekend, what we saw last year, except this year, the Seahawks have been the vastly superior team to the Cowboys on the year. Seahawks finished, by the way, on the road against the Panthers and then with two straight games at home, the Cardinals and the 49ers. If you are a Seahawks fan, you would like to believe that you can get yourself uh, the win the next two and be playing for the division. That would potentially make that game uh, worth four playoff seed lines if the 49ers and the Seahawks are going head-to-head in uh, that game to potentially decide who wins the NFC West. Finally, Minnesota remained ahead of the Rams with a win. Uh, It appears that the uh, Rams are going to put a little bit of pressure down this stretch run on the Vikings. The Rams get a big win in Sunday night football, handle the Seahawks with ease. The Rams now go on the road against the Cowboys. I'm surprised that the Cowboys are a three-point favorite in that game. It's a must-win for the Rams, and I would argue must-win for the Cowboys as well. The Rams then close out with the 49ers on the road and then get the Cardinals. So the Rams obviously need to win in order to uh, win out in order to have a chance at 10-6 and Uh, to potentially make the playoffs. All right, I ran through all of that. That's a ton of storylines. I'm going to bring in the crew. When we get back, we will talk about everything that happened in the NFL and in college football. Major coaching hires as well going on across the college football landscape. Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss. Eli Drinkowitz to Missouri. Sam Pittman to Arkansas. Uh, Mike Norvell to Florida State among them. How would we rate all four of those hires at the major college football level? We will discuss. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. 
or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Lots to get to. Want to bring in Danny G. First of all, how was Disneyland? It was good. Was it incredible? It was uh, a lot of fun. It was hard to get to I Anaheim. saw you whining about how long the drive was. No, I wasn't whining. I was just pointing out that Jason Martin knows absolutely nothing about Los Angeles traffic. You seem to get <laughs> stuck in the worst parts of Los Angeles traffic. We I'm- all get stuck in the worst parts of L.A. traffic. There is no other route to Disneyland except the 5 freeway. Uh, all right, so you went to Disneyland. I hope that was the most uh, what the, the happiest place on earth. Wasn't the happiest place on earth, the black hole. My Titans are actually a good football team. Yeah, thank God they didn't listen to you in October when you asked for the GM and the coaching staff to be fired. I was ready for the GM and the coaching staff to be fired because, frankly, (laughs) I didn't think that Ryan Tannehill was going to turn into the greatest quarterback in the history of football. He's having an unreal season, and you guys have already fixed your Mariota nightmare, whereas the Raiders are in the middle of deciding what to do with Carr. I mean, the more I watch Ryan Tannehill, the more I'm like, how bad are the Miami Dolphins? I mean... Tannehill, I understand. But he didn't look like that with the Dolphins. I know. There were flashes. He had flashes of of them. They had years to figure out if he was their guy. 
and the Titans, I know it's only seven games, but since he took over, yeah, I mean, I mean, and this is crazy. It's going to sound crazy for me to say this, but since Ryan Tannehill took over for the Titans, he and Lamar Jackson are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of what they've done. The Ravens have obviously won, what have they won, nine games in a row? The Ravens have won nine in a row. I don't think anybody can question that they are the best team in football right now. But since Ryan Tannehill took over, the Titans are 6-1, and one, and he is, according to, to the quarterback ranking, uh, he is the best quarterback in the NFL in the seven games he's played. And he threw for almost 400 yards. I mean, he had the one bad interception that was a tough break, you know, the batted ball at the line of scrimmage that got picked off. Um, and he made a hell of a tackle from that. But you are a Raider fan. I mean, is it fair to say, like having watched the Titans, that they're for real? I mean, now it, it, we'll see against the Texans if they can win at home to make it whatever it is, uh, to make it 7-1 and one in their last eight. But if they do, they're in great space to be uh, ho- hosting a home playoff game. And it appears to me that the Texans are a little bit wobbly. I know they got the win over the Patriots just a couple of weeks ago or last week. Uh, but they got whipped by the Ravens and they got whipped by the Broncos on either side of that game. And the way the Titan offense is playing, I don't know that the uh, the Texans are going to have any answers. And we already knew the defense was decent. So that's a team worth paying attention to, I think. Yeah. And I've been Team Henry for a couple of seasons now and always start him on my fantasy football teams and root for him. We know how good he is, but Titan fans can't even say that they knew Tannehill was going to play like this. I mean, a few weeks ago, you asked all of us on the show who we had, the Titans, the Colts, Raiders, or Steelers, back when all those teams were tied to get that last uh, playoff spot in the AFC. We all, except for Dub, we all took the Colts. Yeah. Even you. Yeah. And so none of us knew Tannehill was going to finish the season this strongly. And so the question is now, are you going to franchise tag him now? Well, I think they'll probably try to sign him to an extension. But yeah, the, the franchise tag is certainly an option. I mean, if you want to confirm for yourself that this isn't flash in the pan, somebody gets wildly hot. And I keep saying, go ahead and finish out the season. So we'll go ahead, obviously, and finish out the season. But if the, the Titans, one reason I picked the Colts down the stretch with all those teams in playoff contention was because the Titans' schedule was so tough. Uh, and it still is. I mean, you got the Texans, then the Saints come to town, and then you finish on the road against the Texans. So you've got three really tough games still to come uh, against two really good teams, and two of those three games are obviously in the division against the team that you're tied for the division lead for. So the odds are that it would come down to the final week of the season in Houston for who is going to win this division. Uh, But the Titans could take a big step if they could win this game against the Texans uh, on Sunday because... The, uh, the Texans have to go on the road against suddenly a decent Tampa Bay Buccaneer team uh, who beat the Colts and found a way to get a win there. Um, so that would be not an easy win for the Texans either. In fact, the Texans might be around to pick them, I would think, uh, in that game against, uh, the, uh, uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, that, was, uh, that was an interesting game with you obviously being a Raider fan and me being a Titan yeah. fan. Yeah, and I told you last Monday on the air about how bad the Raiders' backups were on defense. Their defense getting chopped up like that did not surprise me. What surprised me was the second-half adjustments that the Titans' defense were able to make on DeAndre Washington and just stopping Carr completely. He looked decent in the first half, and then out of halftime, Carr looked lost. 
fourth and one, throwing the ball away when you're on the one-yard yeah, line. what was that? And that's why Raider fans are so frustrated with Derek Carr this season because he has moments and drives where he looks like one of the best quarterbacks, but that's when the wide receivers get some separation and they're open. When the receivers are covered or he hears feet around him, he gets happy feet, he plays scared, either throws the ball away on an important down or he, he'll just fall down and take a sack. That O-line is good enough to where he needs to have more confidence and stand tall in the pocket. But well, it's it's also just a lack of awareness for a guy who's played in the NFL for a long time on fourth down yes, and have yeah. to throw it in the end zone. Well, he, that's the thing. He makes chance. And just like how he fumbled the ball out of bounds again in the end zone this season, which also happened last season, it's rookie mistakes made by a veteran quarterback. And that's why Raider fans are so frustrated. It would be like if you were still stuck with Mariota making rookie mistakes, you had a backup to go to. The Raiders had to Sean Kaiser standing there on the sideline. You are ahead of where the Raiders need to be. They need more depth, obviously, because with all these injuries they've been battling, they don't have guys to step up in place and, and actually uh, you know, get off the field on third down. You see how bad the Raiders' defense is on third down. They could not get off the field to save their lives. And then as far as what's going to happen with Carr, man, he looks lost without Josh Jacobs, which, by the way, I, I woke up to two big tweets on Sunday morning. One, the Chiefs with their gear lost. Yeah, that was crazy <laughs> that story. Was, that, yeah. I'm sure you'll get to that later in the show. And the other one was Josh Jacobs. Even though he took a shot in that shoulder, he still wasn't. He's been playing with a fracture in his shoulder for seven weeks. Yeah. And still over a thousand yards with those seven touchdowns. That is amazing. Imagine if he had been healthy all the way. And he's, I don't know if you saw that. You probably did during the game where they showed the footage prior to the game where Mayock, he was pleading his case with Mike Mayock to, to play. And the trainers and Mayock told him, you're not going, you're not going to get on the field today. And he was in tears. The Raiders need more players like that. Well, Derrick Henry also is going to be an intriguing question. I know a lot of people are in their fantasy playoff uh, you know, push here. It started this weekend for, for many people. Uh, his hamstring, how is it going to hold up? I mean, he went for 100 yards and two touchdowns. but Yeah, he was running were, on one hamstring yesterday. Yeah, there that was, was amazing. One, there was one play where I think he might have scored uh, late in that game, and he basically just he never hit next gear. Uh, because Henry is one of the fastest players in the NFL in the open field, and he broke through – and then he never liked it was like he just never put it into the high gear. And after that play, you could saw him come out and uh, and 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 get talked to on the sideline by Mike Vrabel and Vrabel didn't put him back in the rest of the way. Uh, so how much of an issue is that hamstring going to be? Um, it could be some uh, substantial. I mean, I think Derrick Henry is close to winning the NFL rushing title. Uh, but with two division games to go against the team you're you're tied up against, along with the uh, the the uh, the Saints coming to town. I, I question how much the Titans are going to be able to get out of him and also whether at some point that hamstring is just going to pop and then you're really screwed because he's done for. Uh, all right, Dub, um, what did you notice the most from the college football conference title game weekend as well as uh, the NFL? Well, I'll start with college and LSU was just absolutely yeah. dominant. And, yeah. I mean, it was an Joe Burrow was fashion. incredible to watch in person. That was the second time I've seen Joe Burrow play in person this year. I saw him play in that phenomenal game that he had against Alabama on the road in Tuscaloosa. And then I saw him in Atlanta in the title game. And his ability to move in the pocket and his athleticism, it doesn't get enough attention. I think because of all the yards that he's thrown for. But this is a guy, much like, remember when Andrew Luck went to the Combine 
and he ran like a 4-5, and everybody was like, holy cow, like Andrew Luck is a big-time athlete in addition to being a great quarterback. I'm not saying that Joe Burrow's going to run a 4-5, but I think he's going to be a 4-6, 4-7 guy, and I think a lot of people are going to have their eyes opened as to how athletic he is Um, because he's obviously got the ability to make every throw, but man, he moves in the pocket well, and if you give him a little bit of a, uh, uh, just a little bit of a a hole, I mean, he can take off even if you're covering his receivers downfield, so he's going to be the number one overall pick. I don't see how the Bengals pass on him. Yeah, that was going to be my next point. I don't see how he doesn't go number one, and you're exactly right. His ability to avoid sacks is unbelievable, and it gives his receivers that much more time to get open, and we all know what he does when he has open guys. He hits them for big plays, and there was a number of those types of plays in the uh, in the SEC title game. But the NFL, <clears throat> I was watching the Chiefs-Patriots game, and that one sh- should have been touchdown for the Patriots. Yeah. I thought that was very, very the NFL, strange. Th- this has happened. Like I don't understand the desire of NFL officials to blow their whistle. If the ball comes out, you should not. Now, there's been some plays where this there's been a the, the benefit has happened, right? The NFL officials have not blown their whistle. But you should never blow your whistle. I, I've refed a one game in my life. Years, like probably five or six years ago, I got to go down. They had this thing where they had media call the Alabama spring game. And so I was on the field as one of the officials for the Alabama spring game. And we got one day's training and then we got to legitimately be out there on the field calling, uh, calling, you know, the penalties. And the one thing they told us was, don't blow your whistle. They were like, you can have almost everything can be fixed with instant replay now and everything else associated with the game. All you need to do is not blow your whistle because as soon as you blow your whistle, the play stops. We can fix almost anything as long as you don't blow your whistle. If they can tell us that in one day of training, how can the NFL, the highest paid, supposedly best officials in the entire world, when it comes to football, not avoid blowing their whistle in situations like that as well. And by the way, this is this this weekend it happened to be the Patriots. But just off the top of my head, I can think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, having the whistle blown on what should have been a scoop and score that they had against the Titans and the Saints in what should have been a scoop and score by Cam Jordan uh, in their game against the Rams. That's three right off the top of my head that I can think of where. If the official doesn't blow the whistle, that's three defensive touchdowns that would have stood that ended up not happening. Yeah, it's it's becoming a problem this year for for sure. And also the throw to Harry where he didn't step out of bounds and they called him out of bounds. That should have been a touchdown as well. Yeah. They only got a field goal there. So, you know, when you think about it, that's at least 10 points left on the board for the Patriots in that game. And I know the Patriots, it seems like they always get the benefit of the doubt with the referees, especially in Gillette yeah, I'm Stadium. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not crying for the Patriots uh, when you look at their history of beneficial calls. Yeah, neither am I. But then another thing, Eddie's, Eddie's Steelers. I mean, this is incredible what Mike Tomlin has done this year with essentially their fourth-string quarterback with Duck, yeah. who I love. I, I just can't get enough of him. He doesn't do anything spectacular. Devlin but was, Hodges, when you say fourth-string quarterback, because they traded away Josh Dobbs. So, I mean, this guy would have legitimately been the fourth-string quarterback coming into this season. Yeah, and you think back to when they made that trade earlier on in the season. They were 1-4. and four. Yep. Everyone had written them off. It was Including pro- me. I said thought, it was a ridiculous trade. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I thought. And Mike Tomlin still 
will never ha- is not going to have a losing season again this year after everything the Steelers have gone through with the one and four start. They've won eight games, and they got a good shot to make the playoffs as well. He's coach of the year. I mean, I, I know how good uh, that John Harbaugh has been, and certainly you could look at Kyle Shanahan. There are a lot of coaches in the NFL that you can point to this year and say, "Man, I didn't see this coming." But I think that if you don't vote Mike Tomlin coach of the year, you have no, you haven't been watching football. I, I know the Steelers are eight and five, and that other teams have a lot better record. But as you just said, to have Devlin Hodges, a guy that nobody knew, as your legitimate fourth string quarterback in training camp, uh, and as the season began. And now you're riding him. Now the final three weeks of the season, the Steelers have got a lot of uh, a lot of tough games on the horizon. But that was a uh, monster win. How about how Steeler fans travel, including our own Eddie Garcia, who is actually not here because he was at that game. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
this was incredible. We talked earlier, and I'll break this down for you a little bit more in hour two. Four, I would say, big hires. You got Sam Pittman moving from offensive line coach at Georgia. He's now the new head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Missouri goes to go take the guy from Appalachian State, who'd been there only one year, Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, You've got Florida State announcing Mike Norvell. And in the most interesting move of all, that is bound to entertain us a ton. Lane Kiffin is now the new head coach of Ole Miss. And we've had Lane Kiffin on this show quite a bit. I imagine we'll get him somewhat soon. He's being introduced, I think that's a morning press conference, down in Oxford where Lane Kiffin will officially return uh, to the SEC. But he's already made his way to Oxford and as part of the job, And this is important, um, and a lot of people don't understand this. In the SEC, you're kind of like a politician, governor, pope of the state when you are a head football coach. And so uh, Lane Kiffin posing for photos literally with a baby. I'm not sure how well you're going to be able to hear this. We need to ISO the audio. Uh, But Lane Kiffin swarmed by Ole Miss fans on his arrival in Oxford. He poses with a baby. As he hands the baby back to the man who handed it to him, that man has some advice for Lane Kiffin. I believe we have audio. See if you can pick it up. All right, and I know that's a little bit hard to hear. You can go listen on and watch the video. It's easier to say. The man says, hey, I'm glad you're here. Get you a burner phone. That is an incredible line. Uh, The burner phone, of course, has been a topic of discussion at Ole Miss for a couple of reasons. One, the burner phone is used for illicit recruiting uh, contact and sometimes illicit recruiting uh, payments and whatnot, right? So if you have the burner phone, and if you're not familiar with college football or college basketball, you have the regular phone. That's a phone number you give out to everybody that the NCAA tracks. How many minutes are you on the phone? When are you making phone calls to recruits? All those things. You got your standard issue cell phone. And then you have your burner phone, which is the one that isn't uh, registered to the NCAA that you can use for your own private life. And this also ties in with Hugh Freeze, who was fired uh, because he was making phone calls to uh, massage parlors uh, in a lawsuit that was filed by Houston Nutt. They got all of Hugh Freeze's phone numbers, and so they were able to dive into uh, those numbers, and that's ultimately what cost Hugh Freeze his job. Not the NCAA violations, but the fact that there were inappropriate phone numbers that he was calling there. So when the Ole Miss fan says to Lane Kiffin, get you a burner phone, Uh, That's a reference both to doing whatever it takes to get top players to come to Oxford, but also uh, to to what went down with Hugh Freeze. Now, the positive, I guess, if you want to focus on that, is Lane Kiffin is is divorced, so he's not married right now. Uh, So so when you're a single guy, you tend to get a little bit more leeway than when you're uh, a married guy. But that, I think, epitomizes one of many reasons why Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss has the potential to be such an entertaining content factory of fun if you are a college football fan. All right, when we come back, top of hour two, encourage you to download the podcast. You won't miss anything. By the way, Joel Klatt going to join us in hour three. We missed him on Friday, uh, so he will be with us at the top, uh, sorry, second segment of hour three. I believe he's in New York City uh, to talk about the college football playoff and uh, the Heisman Trophy 
and everything else, um, including what he thought of Ohio State's performance uh, against Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, what he thought of Joe Burrow with LSU, and what he thought of the Final Four. I think the college football playoff committee got it exactly right. LSU will play Oklahoma and Atlanta, and we will have a game between Ohio State and Clemson, which should be outright extraordinary in Arizona uh, as the college football playoff final four. When we come back, diving back into the NFL, what did we learn? Did the Patriots get totally screwed or not? We will debate and discuss. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Our poll question is up. Uh, You can go vote in this at Clay Travis. Which of these four college football hires is the best? Mike Norvell to Florida State, Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss, Eli Drinkwitz to Mizzou, or Pittman to Arkansas. Uh, so, uh, so Sam Pittman, the head coach of Arkansas, you can go vote in. Uh, you can go vote in those in that uh, scenario. Uh, which of these four college football hires is the best? Uh, let's see. We got almost two thousand votes in in the first uh, five minutes of that poll. And I didn't think this was going to be. Uh, I was not not surprised by this result so far. Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss is uh, is the uh, runaway winner early on here, uh, with Mike Norvell a distant second, followed by uh, Pittman and Drinkwitz, who are substantially behind uh, behind those guys. Uh, so that is where we are in the college football uh, coaching carousel. Most of the big jobs have now been filled. We'll wait and see how some of these smaller jobs. Uh, are filled and then really the big question is going to be what for instance are the Dallas Cowboys going to do because you would expect that at some point in time Jason Garrett would be shuffling off the stage as the Dallas Cowboy coach and there could be some more looking to college from the NFL given how we've seen the proliferation more so every year of college offenses are there young guys or old guys maybe who have had decent amounts of success at the NFL level uh, that could get opportunities, sorry, at the college level that could get opportunities in the NFL. Uh, Big takeaways from the weekend. I went down to Atlanta and watched Joe Burrow play. And it's the second time, as I said earlier on the show, that I have seen Joe Burrow play in person. And one reason that I love going to games is if you sit up top and you're in a decent position you can see the field so much better than you can on television and ultimately football and I and I always try to like break down things to their elemental level sometimes at least in my head football is a game of space the goal of offense is to create space the goal of defense is to eliminate space the offenses that create space the best win the defenses that eliminate space the best win as well Right. If you just if you had to explain to someone who had never seen football before what is football, you would say it's a game of space. Everything that is diagrammed in a football play is about creating space for offensive players in which to make plays, either to run or throw the football. And so if you get a chance to sit up top and see the field well, it's a lot more of an entertaining experience than it is potentially to be watching on television. The best advantage you get if you are at a game is you can see the game better. It's why, you know, look, they, the, the all 22 film is watched differently than the way we watch television, televised games. Because sometimes you can't see. You can't see who's open. can't see how the players are moving. 
I am blown away by how good Joe Burrow is. I said after the Alabama game against LSU, LSU went on the road and won at Alabama. I said that Joe Burrow had put forth the best performance I have ever seen in person by any quarterback ever. And I've been fortunate to see a lot of really good performances by quarterbacks. I saw Johnny Manziel. I saw Tim Tebow. I saw Cam Newton, who are the three, I would say, most iconic recent SEC quarterbacks. All three of those guys were electric, exciting, exhilarating, all different in their own way. I saw Peyton Manning. I saw Matthew Stafford. You name a big quarterback in college football over the past 20 years, and I've probably been fortunate enough to see them play in person. The performance that I saw by Joe Burrow in Alabama was the best quarterback performance given the stage and given the, given the uh, opponent that I have ever seen. You just don't see people do to a Nick Saban defense what Joe Burrow did. And that was 100% reinforced. I was at the SEC title game uh, between Georgia and LSU. Joe Burrow, if the Cincinnati Bengals do not take him number one overall, well, it's the Bengals. So is there really anything that franchise can do where you think, my God, they're basically mortgaging their future and they're making insane decisions? I absolutely love everything about Joe Burrow's game. He moves in the pocket so incredibly well that I understand why many have analogized him to Tom Brady. Because if you watch the way that Tom Brady can climb in the pocket, moving his feet while keeping his eyes downfield to be able to see everything that's developing around him, even in the midst of chaos, that's Joe Burrow. The difference between the two obviously is six Super Bowls (laughs) and maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. But Burrow has a mobility that is rare for a quarterback that climbs the pocket as well as he does. He is athletic in a way that he almost reminds me a little bit more than anybody else in college of Andrew Luck. Remember, I said this in hour one, but remember how when Andrew Luck went to the combine and he ran a 4-5 a lot of people were stunned. If I remember correctly, I believe didn't Andrew Luck and Cam Newton came out within a couple of years of each other, and Andrew Luck ran a better 40 than Cam Newton. Andrew Luck ran a better 40 than Johnny Manziel. Now, he's not necessarily as shifty as either of those guys, but straight line speed, he's faster, Andrew Luck is, than Cam Newton was at the peak of his running ability and than Johnny Manziel was. And so when I saw that happen, it blew a lot of people away. I think we are, I'm telling you right now, preview for what you're going to hear when Joe Burrow gets to the NFL combine and suddenly NFL guys start to break him down. Oh my God, this guy is so much more athletic than I thought he was going to be. Joe Burrow has the ability to run the football and get away from traffic unlike many people that uh, that we have seen in recent history who have his ability in the pocket as well. And so I think that Joe Burrow is a no-brainer number one overall pick. And so that was my biggest takeaway. I was at that game uh, in terms of college football. My biggest takeaway was that. My biggest takeaway in the NFL is, and again, we had three massive games going on, but my biggest takeaway is, 
the 49ers have to be incredibly happy with the evolution of everything that they have right now with Jimmy G. Because I have seen Jimmy Garoppolo this year, in the space of a year, go from a guy that you win in spite of to a guy that you win because of. And that's a big transition for a franchise quarterback to make. Again, the movement from we can win in spite of this guy at the high end of in spite of this guy, you have game manager. At the low end, you have like, just hand the ball off and don't ever change the play, dude, right? The in spite of, we're winning in spite of our quarterback because we're winning it because of our quarterback. He went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees and he was every bit as good as Drew Brees was, if not better, in New Orleans on the road uh, on um, Sunday. And so to me, those two quarterbacks, and I watched a lot of football over the weekend, but I left most impressed by one guy who's playing for the LSU college team and the other guy who was playing against the Louisiana pro team. Uh, look, as good as, uh, as Lamar Jackson has been all season and everything else, and as impressive as that win was against the Buffalo Bills on the road, I left most impressed with Jimmy G. And if you look at what the 49ers have done, they are 11-2. They very easily, maybe even should have, beaten the Seattle Seahawks. They missed a field goal that would have won that game for them. And they very easily could have beaten the Baltimore Ravens on the road. I think right now the Ravens are the best team in the NFL, but close behind them and not very far behind them at all is the San Francisco 49ers. I think if that Ravens game against the 49ers had been played in San Francisco, the 49ers would have won. So I think your Super Bowl favorites at this point in time have to be, if you look at the entire resumes of what we've seen through 13 games, everybody except for the Eagles and the Giants have played 13 games. we got Monday Night Football tonight. Um, and so I think that is the biggest takeaway is that those guys are playing at an incredibly high level. Joe Burrow, who has to be the number one overall pick, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I think also that I you have to favor the LSU team in the college football playoff based entirely on the way the bracket is set up. That's why who got the number one overall seed was so important. The Ohio State Buckeyes are an underdog against Clemson. And LSU is going to be nearly a two-touchdown favorite against Oklahoma. Doesn't mean that LSU is guaranteed to win. Wild things can happen. But I like LSU's chances, given how they've challenged themselves all season long. I like LSU's chances to beat Oklahoma and get to play at home in the Superdome in New Orleans against either Clemson or Ohio State. And my early read right now, and we got a lot of time before these games will actually be played, is I think Clemson beats Ohio State and I think that LSU beats Oklahoma. As well, I believe that Ohio State down the stretch, their final six games, sorry, six court, six halves, their final three games, they weren't very good in the second half against Penn State. They weren't very good in the first half against Michigan, and they weren't very good in the first half against Wisconsin. I think in their final three games, Ohio State has played three bad halves. I'm not convinced that Ohio State is peaking 
at the right time as the college football playoff begins. I am convinced that LSU is peaking at the right time. Their defense has been extraordinary in the final two weeks of the season. They shut down Texas A&M, beat Texas A&M worse than Clemson did, worse than Alabama did, worse than anybody did all season. And then they put up 37 on Georgia, a team that had only allowed 20 points uh, or less to everyone else they'd played all season long. So I think LSU is hitting the postseason at the absolute apex of their ability. I feel the same thing about Clemson. Clemson just decimated everybody in the ACC. The one challenge you have about Clemson is, have they been challenged enough where when they get in that phone booth game, might happen against Ohio State, might happen against the LSU-Oklahoma winner, have they been challenged enough to be prepared for that level of competition when they really are in the fourth quarter and they have to make a play. I know they played a close game against UNC back in October, but that would be the one thing that would make me nervous uh, as we look ahead. Uh, Let me bring in the crew now. I think it's going to be an LSU-Clemson final. What do you expect, Danny G? Uh, I'm not sure about Clemson. I do agree with you on LSU. I'm wondering, you were there in person, wondering what that play looked like in the third quarter. Yet another Heisman yeah, moment incredible. for Burrow. Yeah, he escapes those two defenders, rolls to his right, and drops that perfect dime for 40 yards to Jefferson. That was ridiculous. I and don't understand how the Bengals pass on him. They should be kicked out of the NFL if they pass on Burrow. I understand <laughs> that there are other players that are maybe at more reliable positions in general. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, Chase Young, you know, like if you go get him, it's rare that an elite defensive end just disappears, you know, and doesn't turn into an incredible player. I understand that. But the difference between having a good quarterback and an okay quarterback or certainly a bad quarterback is seismic. I'll use as an example what the Titans offense has become since Ryan Tannehill took over. I mean, the Titans have gone from a team that maybe could have gotten to nine wins uh, to a team that looks like they could be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Now, there's three weeks left, but if you've watched the NFL in the AFC, the two best teams over the last couple of months have been the Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. Now, I know that the, uh, the, 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 uh, the success of the Steelers, but I don't even think the hardest core Steeler fan out there is like, yeah, Devlin Hodges is going to lead us to a Super Bowl. What Mike Tomlin has done is incredible, but the ceiling on the Steelers, Steelers is a lot lower than the ceiling on what the Titans and the Ravens have certainly been able to accomplish on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, to me, Joe Burrow is an unquestioned number one overall pick. And what I was saying about being able to see the field, you see how decisive and how good Joe Burrow's decision-making is if you get the opportunity to sit up in the press box and actually see how exactly he's doing. It's uh, it, it's pretty incredible to yeah. be able to, uh, to break it all down. And really quick, how about the job Matt Rule did? I know that's going to get overlooked somewhat because yeah. they lost to yeah, Oklahoma, right. but Bohannon had to come in. He had that big touchdown throw, and then Rule puts in his true freshman, Jacob Zeno, out of San Antonio. Zeno had a couple of huge passes to keep Baylor in the game. When they sat on the football, though, there with uh, just under a minute to go before overtime, I kind of knew the game was done because they were really forcing things to, to try to score. And 
once it went to OT, I think all of us kind of felt like, okay, Oklahoma's going to take this. Yeah, Oklahoma survived. I do wonder what would have happened. I mean, if Utah had won, I think Utah would have gotten in because Oklahoma did not look very impressive in that game against Baylor, as you mentioned, on their third-string quarterback in the game. Um, And I do think we talked earlier a little bit about how there could be a lot of college coaches getting serious looks at the NFL as the uh, as the offseason in the NFL gets closer for many teams. I think that Matt Rule is one of them. Matt Rule has already interviewed twice for NFL openings. The job that he has done in taking over at Baylor is nothing short of extraordinary. And so I do think there'll be a lot of NFL interest in him and that short sleeve hoodie that he rocks, which is an absolutely uh, an absolutely Awful. ridiculous yet also awesome look. As someone who regularly has their clothing and, and attire uh, ripped to the high heavens every time I post a picture, uh, I can respect uh, Matt Rule sticking with the uh, short sleeve. He looks like Belichick's a legitimate child. That's great. I mean, Belichick, you know, had the leaves uh, sleeves sawed off of his hoodie, so I like uh, I like that move there. What about you, Dub? What uh, what stood out? Well, to me, looking ahead for the college football playoff, I think you're exactly right. LSU getting the number one seed is absolutely Makes enormous. Makes them the favorite. No me. doubt. There's no doubt about it because that number two versus three game with Clemson and Ohio State, that is going to be an absolutely incredible game, I think. And I think you're right. I do have a futures ticket on Ohio State, but I I think Clemson What'd you get them at? is five to one earlier yeah. in, in the year. So I think Clemson is probably they should be favored, and I wouldn't be shocked if that climbs closer to three in the next couple of weeks for them. But LSU, this offense is unbelievable. They've only had two games this year where they didn't get over 500 total yards in a game. One of them was this past weekend against Georgia. They fell 20 yards short, and then Mississippi State back in October. I know OU's defense has been playing a little bit better, but I, there's no stopping this LSU team. They're going to put up. 35 plus points on pretty much anybody they play and whoever plays them in the championship game because I'm I'm just going to go ahead and assume they're going to win against OU barring some sort of injuries or something like that it's going to be an unbelievable finish to this season yeah it's going to be an incredibly uh, great game Brian Finley which side would you take who should be favored in the playoff I'm going with LSU Clay I'm an SEC guy I used to live in Memphis you know love the Ole Miss pickup first of all I think like you said Clay this is going to do wonders I think for the recruiting fan base I think for the energy and I think with the talent they already have at Ole Miss it's just going to put them I think I don't know if you're going to go on the level of LSU and all those right now but at least you can be more competitive but yeah you got to go with LSU because as a quarterback I think Joe Burrow is just on another level than Justin Fields with Ohio State and I just don't think that's much of a debate at all. Yeah, uh, Trevor Lawrence obviously is playing uh, is playing pretty outstanding as well. I don't think we've even talked to Roberto. Roberto, how about my Titans whipping your Raiders? Oh, man, Ryan Tannehill, huh? Jeez. Yeah. He's well, on fire. The thing about Tannehill, he's never had a, a running back like Derrick Henry. Yep. So that's definitely helped him and made him a better And if you're a Dolphins fan and you're suffering through the season that you've had with the Dolphins – the, it hasn't happened. I mean, I just want you to think about this for a while. It hasn't happened that a guy has left a team in the NFL and ended up a stud somewhere else in a really long time. And I'm, I'm not talking about like we knew Peyton Manning was good, right? So the fact that Peyton Manning goes to Denver, it was a medical issue. You had Andrew Luck. I don't think Colt fans were like, oh my God, what are we doing moving on from Peyton Manning, right? Some of them maybe, but it's not as if that was unintentional. And the same thing I think was true of Drew Brees because you went from Drew Brees straight to Phillip Rivers. 
But if you are the Dolphins, and tank for two is not going to happen, Joe Burrow's not going to be there, and Ryan Tannehill ends up being finishing this season as good as he has looked, you've been trying to replace Dan Marino forever. What if yeah. the Dan Marino replacement you drafted in the first round and just let go because your franchise was so incompetent they couldn't unlock the talents that he had? That's hilarious, man. That has the potential. I Can you even think, can anybody, you can tweet me as well, at Clay Travis, can anybody else out there even think of an NFL quarterback that has a left? And I'm not talking about somebody who was like a second or third string. You know, like Kurt Warner ended up with the Rams, and I think he had been in a couple of other um, NFL, you know, training camps, and other teams had missed on him. Remember, the Trent Green injury happens, and Kurt Warner becomes an NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, and then obviously he left the, the Giants and ended up with a second career, I think it was, out with the uh, the Cardinals. But I'm talking about a guy who you drafted in the first round. You thought, hey, this guy is a bust. And then he leaves and he ends up being a stud with somebody else. That's almost unheard of in the NFL. I'm curious what names would come to mind. Now, there's guys who have been like sort of journeymen, Rich Gannon, won a Super Bowl with uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. Kerry uh, Collins had some good years late after getting sort of run out of Carolina. But those, I would say, are more journeyman-style quarterbacks. It's not like anybody's like, oh, I think Kerry Collins or Rich Gannon or you know those guys are Hall of Fame caliber guys, or were first round picks that left and ended up being you know big time studs. Maybe Kerry Collins is the best example because he was a first round pick and he ended up having a pretty good career. He went to the Super Bowl with the Giants and then he had some success with the Tennessee Titans as well. But that's almost unheard of. Can any of you guys think of off the top of your head a first round quarterback who has been just basically let go? I mean, the the Dolphins let Tannehill go for basically yeah. no cost and ends up being this level so far, this level of productivity with the Titans now? Yeah, the first quarterback that came to my mind, and, and Roberto repeated yeah. it, uh, Drew Brees, but, yeah, but it was, was injury-related, yeah. so I don't know and, if that and counts. And they also made the decision, we have a stud behind him. Phillip Rivers is going to be an NFL Hall of Famer, and certainly Drew Brees is an NFL Hall of Famer. But when Drew Brees left the Chargers – there was a legitimate belief that he might never play football again. So that's an extenuating circumstance. And again, I think that was a conscious decision. It seemed even prior to the injury, like the the Chargers had made the decision, we're ready to move on from Drew Brees. So to me, you put Drew Brees and Peyton Manning in different categories uh, as guys who have left and won Super Bowls. Because again, you had Peyton Manning, the injury situation was such that a lot of teams weren't willing to handle him and the Colts were ready to turn the page and go ahead and hand the reins to Andrew Luck. And you also had Phillip Rivers who was ready to take over for Drew Brees. Those are different scenarios. It's still early with Tannehill, but it looks like at a minimum, assuming he stays healthy and plays decent down the stretch here, that the Titans are going to commit big money to him. And if you're the Dolphins and you've been looking to replace Marino uh, forever, and this was your guy who potentially was a first-rounder, I mean, he's just looked extraordinary. I mean, he has looked – here's a stat, again, of how good that Titans offense has been with Ryan Tannehill. Um, there have been 11,878 NFL games 
since the merger in it between the AFL and the NFL in 1970. The Titans have two of the top 30 games in terms of yards per offensive play in modern NFL history in the past three weeks. Uh, this is rare. This is from Mike Herndon, who tweeted that out. Um, and the Titans have gone over 30 points in four straight weeks, which is also relatively rare. Three straight 14-plus wins, uh, all because of how Ryan Tannehill has been playing. He's off the charts right now. Uh, so that's an interesting question. You can tweet at me, at Clay Travis. Uh, we'll continue to break this down. We'll talk about whether any of us feel bad for the Patriots over uh, the missed calls that might have cost them a game against the Chiefs. And we'll dive back into the big game scenarios in the NFL. What did we learn from the Raven win, from the Chief win, and from the 49er win? This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Cleaning this up, by the way, we're talking about quarterbacks who've left and ended up winning a uh, Super Bowl or just performing at a high level like we're seeing Ryan Tannehill do. 
Um, I'm asking for a first-round quarterback who has left and ended up being really good somewhere else. It's very rare. I said Rich Gannon. Uh, I meant Brad Johnson. Rich Gannon and Brad Johnson. Rich Gannon was the quarterback for the Raiders playing against Brad Johnson. At least a lot of you are saying that. A lot of names rolling around. But, uh, but both those guys were in the Super Bowl against each other. Brad Johnson won. But they're the quintessential journeyman quarterback, right? It's not as if those guys were first-round picks and then went somewhere else and were really good. Um, and so I, I'm saying what could be happening, what we're seeing happen with Ryan Tannehill being let go effectively by the Dolphins and having such incredible success as a starting quarterback with the Titans is incredibly rare in the NFL. You can point to Drew Brees, you can point to Peyton Manning, but they had major injury issues. It's incredibly rare that somebody lets a quarterback walk who then has this level of success somewhere else, particularly if you invest a first-round pick in them. And uh, there's hardly anybody out there that you can even point to as a precedent. I know it's early with uh, so far with Ryan Tannehill. He's 6-1, and one, but in the last seven games, that's almost half of an NFL season. In the last seven games, he's been the best quarterback in the NFL based on quarterback rating, and obviously uh, his performance has been off the charts. So that is a, uh, that's an intriguing question out there. If he can keep it up for the next three weeks, there's not even really an easy precedent to point to for what we've seen with Tannehill taking over for Mariota after being let go. He was a first-round quarterback in the Dolphins who've been perpetually trying to replace Dan Marino. It's got to be salt in the wounds for Dolphins fans if Tannehill continues to perform like this. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Another stat for you. This is courtesy of Jim Wyatt. Um, Ryan Tannehill joined Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, who did it for five games in 2015, as the only players with four consecutive games with at least two passing touchdowns and a passer rating of 125 or higher in NFL history. In other words, the streak that Ryan Tannehill is on right now is a hot streak that has only happened once before in the history of the NFL. And again, since he started playing for the Titans, he is the highest rated passer in the NFL. Lots of suggestions, interesting ones rolling in on Twitter. Steve Young, uh, but I don't, was he a first round pick? And he came out of the USFL, if I remember correctly. So that's not a great analogy. Brett Favre, but Favre was, I believe, an early second-round pick, and he never started with the Falcons. They traded him away and certainly ended up being really good. So that is one, if you're a Falcons fan, uh, that's tough to stomach. And I'm this is before my time, but some of the old hats out there are saying Jim Plunkett. This is way before my time. Yeah, anytime uh, we bring up Jim Plunkett, you have a cow, but... In 1971, he was picked number one overall by the Patriots. Yep. He stunk it up with them. He went to the Niners in 76 and had a really bad season there. And then the Raiders picked him up in 78, and he went on to win two Super Bowls and have a Super Bowl MVP trophy. Yeah, that's obviously a lot more successful than anything Tannehill has done so far. But maybe that's the best analogy for early sort of season success that we have seen from Tannehill in nearly a half season so far. I mean, he's going to get a uh, a major contract. And 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 the another one would be but he wasn't as high of a, a pick, Nick Foles, 
but Nick Foles kind of came in and uh, and and took charge of things with the uh, with the Eagles. But he's been a bust so far with the uh, with the Jags. So I, I don't really think maybe Jim Plunkett is the best potential analogy for this situation, and that's all the way back. Uh, before I would imagine most of the people listening to this program have any recollection of because uh, you'd have to be 50 or older at all to uh, to remember that Jim Plunkett story. So maybe that's the one. Maybe that's the analogy that makes the most sense. Uh, when we come back, we will ask the question, do you feel sad in any way at all for the Patriots, even though they got screwed by the officials in their game against the Chiefs yesterday. Uh, we will debate and discuss our three. Joel Klatt is going to join us, uh, and we will talk about the college football playoff picture, what he saw from the Ohio State and Wisconsin game that he called, and if he's nervous at all about Ohio State. Not very good in the second half against Penn State. Not very good in the first half against Michigan. Not very good in the first half against Wisconsin. Are the Buckeyes as good as they have been stumbling into the postseason with Clemson now next up? We will discuss. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Did you feel sorry for the Patriots getting screwed potentially by a couple of calls? I'll be honest with you. I want the officials to get calls right. I didn't feel the least bit bad for Patriot fans. They have been the beneficiaries of so many borderline questionable calls over their uh, 15 to 20 year rise of dominance that I didn't feel the least bit bad for them. And I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I, I, I look, the referees shouldn't blow the whistle. But if somebody had to get screwed in that game, I'm much better and happier that it was the Patriots than that it was the Chiefs. So I didn't feel the least bit bad for them. Danny G, did you feel bad for the Patriots? No, not yeah. at all. And there would have to be, what, maybe 100 more bad calls? To even out things? <laughs> yes. Yes. What about you, Dub? Yeah, no sympathy here. Like you said, and Danny G agrees, every single one of these calls, every single time, especially when they're playing at home, it always seems to go against their opponent and not against them. So it was about time. And yeah, Danny G, you're right. A hundred more times and maybe I'll think about it. Yeah. What about you, Brian Finley, sitting in for Eddie Garcia? Yeah, this is a long time coming. I think they deserve this. And like you guys said, at least a hundred more and then I'll be okay with it being even. Uh, and what about you, Roberto? Is it unanimous? Of course. And no. The NFL <laughs> needs to make up a rule and like the tug rule and then I'm, maybe I'll feel bad for uh, that. All right. So as we finish off hour two here, potentially major, major uh, issues for the show going forward. So I did. have I talked about the fact that I'm in a super high-end fantasy football league? I don't think I've talked about it very no, much on no, this show. No, you haven't. And by super high-end, I don't mean that everybody's really talented. I just mean that there's a lot of money involved. So uh, I am in a 12-person league with a $5,000 buy-in. So there is a $60,000 prize pool Damn. in the fantasy football league that I'm in. Uh, and I am going up. Cousin Sal is in it. Uh, Todd Furman is in it. Um, and uh, I am going up against Cousin Sal tonight now uh, for five. So we're in the playoffs, and there are whatever the math is. There were 12 of us in the league. Six of us are in the playoffs. One of us is going to win $30,000. And so I, if I win tonight, have I win $5,000. All right. Um, so. Cousin Sal has got the uh, Philadelphia Eagle defense, and I'm done. So I have a like a 26-point lead, 27-point lead. The projector, you know, at the top of the screen where it projects what percentage you have to win, says I have a 90% chance of winning. If I win, then I advance to play Todd Furman in a game that will be worth $15,000. And then if I won that one, I'd be playing for $30,000, which would help to erase the $30,000 that I lost betting on the Saints last year. Why, you might be asking, is this big? I'm thinking about pegging this to Christmas bonus season for the show. Ooh. Oh, how man. much more interest now do you guys suddenly have in how the Eagle defense plays against the Giants? This, this is like when you gambled our bonus away last well, Christmas on the Saints. I lost $30,000 last year on the Saints. Yeah. I was going to give you guys a substantial bonus. But now, if... If if I advance, it could be a very good bonus season for the show. So five thousand dollars, I'm in the money. I hope that I, Eagles defense gets torched. Oh, I'm terrified that Eli's going to throw like six picks. <laughs> yeah, that's the and, only thing that worries you know, me is that Eli's a quarterback. I, I want oh, Eli man. honestly to like take a knee on every play. 
Um, so I've got 5000 And then next week would be even more. And then the week after that, if I keep winning. So $5,000 on the line based entirely on how the Eagle defense does tonight uh, between me and Cousin Sal. And then fifteen grand based on our two teams between Furman and I. And then if I won, potentially a thirty grand matchup in two weeks' time, uh, which is, I mean, I don't know. It's got to be in, what, the 99.9 percentile for dollars at stake in fantasy football? Oh, big time. I have anxiety in my league, and $500 is yeah. up for grabs. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm obsessively, I was checking, obviously, in the playoffs, constantly hitting a refresh throughout. And then uh, Sal's all worked up and talking trash, and I've got all the quarter. Like, I, I left Jimmy G on my bench. Um, now, fortunately, I had Philip Rivers playing, and Philip Rivers went off because, like, I knew he would. Because, by the way, we haven't even mentioned. Yeah, it. they put Tyrod Taylor in. Where you like? No, I need more points. Yeah, it was, but <laughs> the Jags have quit on a level that few teams have quit in recent NFL history. Uh, they are just so bad right now. A dumpster fire of epic proportions in Jacksonville. There was nobody there watching that game. And I don't blame Jags fans. Like, why would you show up and watch that game if you didn't? Uh, if you didn't have to. Uh, that would be, I mean, it's just uh, utterly un, uh, unwatchable. So, uh, anyway, so when you're watching tonight, uh, in particular, Danny G, Dub, <laughs> Roberto, and Eddie, who isn't even here and probably won't even know, there is a lot of money on the line giants, potentially for you guys. Giants, giants. Yeah, you you guys need the Giants. You guys need the Giants, or it's going to be Santa's not coming for Christmas. Uh, all right, when we come back, top of uh, hour three, we'll dive back into the NFL and the college football universe um, and talk about the college football playoff as well as the big games that took place yesterday in the NFL. Uh, Joel Klatt will also join us in segment two. He didn't join us on Friday, but we'll talk about the playoff picture. What does he think about LSU? against Oklahoma and Ohio State against uh, Clemson. Did the college football playoff committee get it right? Spoiler alert, I think they did for sure. As always, download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss anything. Final hour of the week. Uh, so I wish of the week. I wish we were Friday already. Final hour of the first day of the week up next. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hope all of you are having a fantastic Monday morning. For those of you just waking up and joining us, where have you been? Download the podcast. Make sure you didn't miss the anything in the first two hours. For those of you uh, wondering where we're headed, we're going to talk all about the NFL and college football here. And then Joel Klatt's going to join us in the next segment to talk about the college football playoff and whether the committee, in his mind, got it right. I do believe the committee got it right. LSU should have been one. They were. Ohio State, two. Clemson, three. And Oklahoma, four. We got now LSU going up against Oklahoma and Clemson against Ohio State. Should be two really good games in the college football playoff. No drama as to which four teams would be in at all. I was down in Georgia. Joe Burrow was incredible. If the Bengals don't draft him number one overall, I have no idea what they're doing. I know Chase Young is a very good NFL defensive end. But very good NFL defensive ends don't put you in the playoffs and they don't win you games. To wit, J.J. Watt is a very good NFL defensive end. Maybe the greatest NFL defensive end of his generation. Do you know how many playoff games J.J. Watt has won in his career? One. One game, I believe I'm correct in this, one game the Houston Texans won as a wild card against who was the uh, who was the quarterback you guys started? It was Cook. Cook, yeah, yeah. No yeah. longer in the NFL. 
Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So that is a great defensive end, and I'm sure we'll have lots of time to debate this. Chase Young is incredible, great defensive end, lower risk of him being a bust. But even if he ends up being as good as J.J. Watt, a certified first ballot NFL Hall of Famer, all you get with a rush defensive end is a great compliment to a team that's already good if you are fortunate. And right now, the Bengals are not a good team. Sooner or later, they have to find a quarterback. I can't imagine one better than Joe Burrow based on what I saw in his performance against Alabama and based on what I saw in his performance against Georgia. Being able to see in person, I think, is significant in terms of evaluating how good a quarterback is. You see the field so much better if you're up a little bit high looking at the All-22. And what I have seen from Joe Burrow is simply phenomenal. He's athletic, he moves in the pocket well, he climbs well, keeps his eyes downfield, and if everything else breaks down, can move and slide and advance rapidly around the field. I think he is going to really blow people away with his athleticism at the NFL Combine. I think that's something that a lot of people are not expecting. This guy is not a statue. They're just going to have a lot of issues uh, for NFL teams in terms of getting to him. Uh, but also being able to defend his passing game down the field. He's been flat-out phenomenal. Uh, So I think LSU is the best team in college football right now. I think LSU will end up winning the national championship. The title game, if LSU beats Oklahoma, will take place in New Orleans in the Superdome. Will be a lot of fun to be following this four-game playoff. There were three, I think, seismic, massive, signature games going on in the NFL yesterday. And those three games in order, I believe, were, first of all, the 49ers went on the road and won against the Saints. This was, I think, the biggest win of the day. It elevated the 49ers from the five seed back to the one in conjunction with last night's loss by the Seahawks. George Kittle makes an absolute man play down the stretch on fourth down, makes a catch, gets away, gets his face mask grabbed, sets up the 49ers for the winning field goal, 48-46. to Why was this significant? We know, despite the fact that the Saints put up 46 points, that the 49ers have a pretty decent defense. This was significant to me because in the last several weeks, I've seen, I've had it proven to me, that Jimmy Garoppolo has moved from a quarterback you win in spite of to a quarterback you win because of. In other words, he has shed the game manager role and has come into his own as a high, high high-end quarterback based on the way that he has played, taking the ball on the road in the furiously loud Superdome, leading your team down for a winning field goal is a major signature win. And I believe at this point in time, there is no doubting that the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. And that right now, and I know 49er fans are like, let's just go ahead and call the season right now. The Super Bowl would have to run through the Bay Area and through the San Francisco 49er Stadium. So we'll see whether or not they can hold on. It's very tight at the top of the NFC. The Packers have slid into the number two spot. Now the Seahawks have fallen all the way to the five spot. The Saints are in the three spot. Uh, and the Cowboys, who don't deserve to be in the playoffs at all right now, are in the four spot. We'll see whether or not the Eagles tonight going up against Eli Manning can go ahead and equalize there. Okay, so we've got the 49ers with the signature win of the day. Then we've got the Chiefs going on the road against the Patriots and finding a way to win. Were there blown calls? Yes. 
Are there always at some form or fashion blown calls? Yes. Do I wish the NFL never had them? Yes. Is it insane to me that an NFL official would blow his whistle when they have been instructed to, worst case scenario, let guys scoop and score, let them run down the field. You can review it and there's no harm, no foul in the event that you determine the runner was down and there's no basis whatsoever for the return. It's crazy to me that NFL officials keep making this error. It's the biggest error they can make, the most substantive one, and I can think of at least three times this has happened in games. Uh, the C- It happened to the Saints with Cam Jordan on a scoop and score against the Rams early in the season. It happened to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Titans on a fake punt. They scooped and scored, would have taken the lead, ended up losing a close game, uh, and it now has happened to the Patriots, and it may well have been the difference in the game uh, the way this whole thing shook out. So, But the Chiefs in the process go on the road, get the win, and now I think if you're a Patriots fan, it's moved from, hey, can we be the overall number one seed to, more, uh, more alarmingly, are we even going to win our division you're now uh in a big game against the bills if the bills can continue to win big game between the bills and the steelers coming up this weekend two teams fighting for playoff positioning uh and uh, we will see what ends up happening in that one but if the bills can win they would be going to foxborough with a chance to try and lay claim to the afc east which would knock the patriots potentially all the way down to a wild card Uh, which would be wild to see indeed. Uh, And then the third and biggest, uh, third biggest game of the day. Again, I think the 49er win over the Saints. I think the Chief win over the Patriots. The third biggest game of the day, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson go on the road and survive in a brutal defensive struggle against the Buffalo Bills. And as a result, the Ravens are close to clinching home field throughout the playoffs. They have a game and a half lead on the uh, New England Patriots as we come down the stretch run of the season. Uh, So we will see what ends up happening there. But Lamar Jackson stays hot. Uh, The best performance that I saw from, uh, from anybody outside of those three games, Ryan Tannehill goes on the road and absolutely dominates against the Oakland Raiders. Tannehill right now in his seven starts is the best quarterback in the NFL from a passer rating perspective. Uh, Expectations are now the Titans are going to sign him uh, to an extension. The Miami Dolphin fans have to be looking at the sky and saying, what in the world? How bad is our franchise that we couldn't win with this guy? And then he goes to the Titans and he looks like the best quarterback in the league. And that's not an exaggeration. Through the last seven games, the highest rated quarterback in the NFL has been Ryan Tannehill. And we'll see whether that continues in what is going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest games of the upcoming weekend, the Houston Texans going on the road against the Titans for first place in the AFC South on Sunday. Got a Monday night football game between the Eagles and the Giants. I just told the guys that their Christmas bonus could lie in the impact here. Uh, $5,000 at stake for me based on how the Eagles defense performs in my matchup with Cousin Sal. If I win that one, $15,000 at stake against Todd Furman. And then if I won that one, I'd be in a $30,000 championship game. So that uh, that is where we are. Let me bring in the crew. 
Danny G, how much more interest do you have in Monday Night Football now, given what I just told you about fantasy football? 100% more interest because uh, prior to you giving us that news, I was thinking it was pretty much going to be a snooze. I, there is a little bit of drama surrounding the Eagles because obviously they're in such a horrible division Yes, that they still could, if they win out, they have a chance. Obviously, we're also paying close attention to the Cowboys, but other than that, I don't think any of us are are hurrying to our TVs to watch the Giants right now. Yeah, look, I think if you are a hardcore football fan, like many of our listeners are, you will flip on Monday Night Football and watch it. But the Eagles are not playing well, and the Giants are a mess. Now, Eli coming back gives a little bit of drama. Maybe the fact that Eli is going to finish out this season, uh, the drama for Giants fans is, can he finish with a above 500 record as a quarterback? Because I think... Am I correct that he's like 110 and 110 all time as a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, I think so. I think he's exactly 500. So how he finishes out the season, given that reports are Daniel Jones might not come back from that ankle sprain, uh, could be a uh, a part of his over NF- overall NFL Hall of Fame resume. What else stood out to you uh, in the NFL uh, other than what I just ran through? Well, the Colts losing to the Bucks surprised me. Yeah. A few weeks back, you asked all of us on the show who we would take for the last AFC wildcard spot. And at the time, it was the Titans, Raiders, Steelers, and Colts all tied. All of us on the show, except for Dub, picked the Colts to get that spot. And suddenly, they've imploded the past couple of weeks. Them losing to the Bucks. I was at a sports bar here in L.A. yesterday with Brian No, and we were both surprised watching that game on one of the, the flat screens. you got to give the Bucks, especially their defense and, uh, and Devin White, some credit. I mean, they've come up big and took it to the Colts. What has happened with Jacoby Brissett and that squad at the beginning of the season, except for some kicking issues with Vinatieri, it looked like they weren't exactly... They were five and two. Yeah, it looked like they weren't exactly missing Andrew Luck the way all of us thought they would. But then the way they're closing out the season here has has you scratching your head. Yeah, they've they've lost. I think they're one and four or one and five now, maybe even the math uh, since they started five and two. Um, and they were the underdog against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so it wasn't necessarily a stunner that the Bucks won. Uh, but I do think that for Colt fans, the question of what do you do with Jacoby Brissett is a uh, is is a difficult one because. The way that he's performed down the stretch has not been very good. Now, Marlon Mack has been injured. T.Y. Hilton's been injured. Uh, Their tight end is out. I mean, there are a lot of issues with skill position playmakers for them. So it may not be fair 100% to judge Jacoby Brissett. I don't know that there's an easy decision going forward for them. The reason why I ask it is, let's say that Tua Tagovailoa is out there and available, or Justin Herbert is out there and available where you could be drafting are you interested in the quarterback position? Is Andrew Luck going to come back? Uh, do, you know, do we believe he's retired forever? Uh, those questions, I think, are fairly monumental and seismic for the Colts going forward. What about you, Dub? Well, real quick on the Bucks, I live with a guy from Tampa, so I watch a ton of Bucks football, which is just kind of weird for me bastard. to say. Yeah, but I will admit, Jameis Winston, he's got to be one of the more entertaining players to watch on a every week basis and that you have no idea what he's going to do every time he drops yeah, back to i mean pass. just yesterday was a perfect Jameis winston game if you will he had over 400 yards passing he had four touchdowns three picks i think he had a sack <laughs> fumble there i mean it was unbelievable to watch somehow they win they put up a ton of yards they got great receivers and they got the job done against the colts but another thing that stood out to me 
was uh, last night's game between Seattle and Los Angeles. I thought the Rams would win, but I didn't think it would be like that. Seattle did nothing on offense. Their only touchdown came from a pick six, uh, thanks to Robert Woods, I believe it was, stopping his route on a crossing route. But that was one of the worst performances I've seen from Seattle in a long time. It was a real head-scratcher for me to watch that. Jameis Winston, it's funny you mention it. Uh, look, four, 45 pass attempts. He threw uh, four touchdowns, three picks, right? I mean, like just an unbelievable uh, situation. I mean, his turnovers are off the charts. And I think it was somebody on the Dan Patrick Show who said that when they watch Jameis Winston, they think, is he the worst good quarterback or the best bad quarterback in the league? Which is another way of saying, like, you have even like Bruce Arians before this game, they said, Hey, what are you guys going to do with Jameis Winston going forward? And Bruce Arians is like, ah, I really, we really have no idea, <laughs> right? Because he's the number one overall pick. But what does he have now? Like 23 interceptions? Somebody look up how many interceptions he has on the year. I mean, he's it's in 23. A, 23 interceptions. And what does he have? Like 24 touchdown passes? Now let me check real quick. They're, they're almost dead even. Like, I mean, so 23 interceptions. That doesn't even count all of the fumbles that he has. And he's had a lot of fumbles. I mean, he is an absolute turnover machine. He's like Jamarcus Russell and Patrick Mahomes rolled together. That's that's not a bad. And I mean, he, he is he is like the, he has moments of brilliance. And then there are also moments of just transcendent awfulness. I think he threw not only another interception, but another pick six. I mean, he just puts the ball up for grabs so many times. It's He's got like 26 touchdowns. 26 touchdowns and 23 interceptions? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, when is the last time we have had anybody with that kind of stat line? I mean, that's a crazy ass stat line. I mean, he throws the ball up for grabs so much. He's like He's like an NBA referee who throws jump balls. I mean, he throws like if you watch and that's to your point, Dub, if you watch Jameis Winston play, there are what, like 20 different throws he makes in a game where you think that could be intercepted. It's a lot of fun watching with my roommate because he is a diehard Bucks fan. I got to give him credit because it's been a long, hard journey for him. But I mean, watching these games, it's you're right. Half the balls he throws, you have no idea what's going to happen because half the time he just throws it up to Mike Evans or Godwin and just to see what, who comes down with it. And I, I respect it. It is fun to watch him play because you really never know what's about to happen. I think the NFL modern day record for interceptions in a season is 33 ish. So it would take a real productive Jameis Winston final three games to get there. But we're talking about a guy who's thrown five or six picks in a game. Don't forget about his fumbles. 12 fumbles, five lost. 12 fumbles and 23 interceptions. So we're talking about the potential for 35 turnovers. You said he's lost five of them. So 28 turnovers. I don't even know if there's anybody else in the 20s in the NFL for total turnovers right now. 28 turn. It's unbelievable. Uh, what about you, Brian Finley? Anything else that stood out in the NFL uh, roster? Clay, I, I can't understand this the saga that is Todd Gurley. You know, so many people say, oh, his knee injury, he's never going to be the player he, he once was. Then he has a touchdown last night. Looks really Great good. Great stiff arm. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't understand. Like, is this guy... 100% healthy? Are they hiding something? Because when he's in, as you know, I mean, the Rams look like a team not to be messed with, but he's been so up and down, it's just so hard to gauge where he's at. I don't even think it's just Todd Gurley. I think it's the entire Rams team. They're like, remember back in Seinfeld where they had the girl who was good looking or ugly, depending on the lighting? I mean, I feel like that's the Rams mm-hmm. offense. 
Like sometimes you look at him and maybe that's Jared Goff as well. Like Todd Gurley is a part of that. But Jared Goff at times you watch him and you're like, damn, this guy looks like a $100 million quarterback. And other times you watch him and you're like, I can't believe the Rams gave Jared Goff $100 million. It's all about the lighting. It depends on week to week what you're going to get from the Rams. What about you, Roberto? Uh, the Bills had a chance to to prove the, the people that are saying that they haven't beat anybody good. They had the Ravens at home, and yeah, they, they lose to another good team, the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, the Bills are in an interesting spot with that game coming up against the Steelers. We didn't talk about the Steelers because Eddie was at this game. He would have been talking about it. The Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is the coach of the year. They got another win. They took over the Arizona Cardinals stadium, um, and uh, they're now 8-5, and five, and they go back home, and the Bills come to town. And things could flip there pretty quickly because if the Steelers win and the Bills lose, then the Bills would fall to the sixth seed and barely be hanging on to the uh, the playoffs. And the uh, the Steelers would rise up to uh, the five seed with two to go. Um, and I'm not sure who has the tiebreak between the Bills and the Texans. The Bills beat the Texans, right? So depending on what happens in the Titans and the Bill and the Titans and the uh, Texans game, that's the other big one that's going to be taking place in the AFC for uh, for playoff positioning. All right, when we come back, we're going to go up to New York where Joel Klatt is for a conversation with the college football playoff. Uh, what does he think about Ohio State down the stretch? Buckeye fans are mad at me, but six six halves Three of them have not been very good for Ohio State down the stretch. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts 
people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go ahead and bring in Joel Klatt at Joel Klatt on Twitter. Joel, appreciate you joining us here. Uh, did the committee get it right? Um, I don't think that they had a bad choice, to be honest with you. I, I thought that regardless of the direction that they went at number one, and by the way, I think it's so much better and easier to be talking about number one versus debating the actual fourth team, yeah. you know, like we, we generally are every year. But as it relates to the first um, seed in this, I guess, playoff is how you would put it, I don't think they had a bad choice, dude. I really don't. Um, I get it why they put LSU at number one. I thought Ohio State earned that spot, but I'm, I mean, I'm certainly not upset about it. I thought LSU was dominant on Saturday over what I think is a, a vastly overrated Georgia team. Um, but yeah, th- this is what we got. And now the playoff sets up so well for LSU. How, I mean, can it set up any more perfect than this? You get a very weak as playoff standards are concerned opponent in Oklahoma and you've got the potential national championship game in New Orleans. I mean, if it's going to be tough to beat them, it'll be very tough to beat them. All right. So let me ask you this. So you saw Ohio state, they were to be fair, awful to not good in the first half against Wisconsin. They were great. Let's say Ohio state is sitting at 10 and 0 uh, when Penn State comes to town, they come out and they are great in that first half against Penn State. But they were not very good in the second half against Penn State. Uh, almost ended up allowing that to become a legitimate game. I mean, I think Penn State scored 17 unanswered, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. to go from 21-0 yeah, down uh, and made it a game uh, late in that one. Uh, I didn't think that Ohio State was very good, particularly on the defensive side in the first half against Michigan. And they certainly were not very good in the first half against uh, against Wisconsin. Is it possible, if you look at the last six halves, is it fair to say Ohio State has not played three good halves in those six? And meanwhile, it seems like LSU against A&M and against Georgia is accelerating into the turn, as is Clemson. Is it possible that Ohio State has peaked and begun a decline while maybe LSU and Clemson are still accelerating into the turn? I think it's fair to say that. I, I also think that the narrative changes a little bit. If Let's just put it this way. If Ohio State was in the SEC and they had just faced three straight on consecutive weeks, top 10 AP opponents, you in particular, oh, God, I can't even imagine how obnoxious you would be, would be talking about this stretch of games and how difficult it was and how it's incredible that this team was – even able to accomplish it, and why would we ask them to be dominant when all we really need them to do is win in this stretch of games? We haven't seen somebody beat 
three straight AP top 10 teams in consecutive weeks since 1983 when Bo Jackson's Auburn team did it. I can't imagine how obnoxious you well, would let me, be. Let me just and say yet, this. When the shoe was on the other foot, stop. And when the shoe was on the other foot, you start talking about how the other teams are accelerating into the turn when they're playing some ridiculously overrated end-of-the-year schedule. Uh, that's all I would say is that th- this is what drives people nuts this narrative like you're pushing right now that Ohio State is somehow weaker than what they should be rated as just because they quote-unquote aren't playing great. Those are three straight AP top 10 teams, and they beat them all by double digits. I would One push back. State, they turned it over three times and still beat them by double digits. I would push back if against the SEC idea. If any SEC team did that, if any SEC team did that, you would be on your knees. Well, the difference is the SEC is the best conference in America by far and has been for 15 years. So, oh, that's interesting because when did LSU play three consecutive weeks against AP top 10 teams this year? I failed to see that, that three weeks. I buy into that's the idea play. that that's Oregon, play. who got beaten by Auburn, that I LSU... The subject as well. No, no, no. I'm saying you. I don't buy into the idea that Penn State is a top 10 team. I don't buy into the idea that Wisconsin is a top 10 team, and I don't buy into the idea that Michigan is a top 10 team. In fact, none of those three teams are in the top 10 if you uh, look at the AP poll. They got beat by Ohio State by double digits. No, but all three of those teams were left out of the top 10 by the AP, whereas Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, and Florida, all four of which were beaten by LSU, are currently in the top 10. So I think LSU played a tougher schedule. Uh, I I don't believe that that's the case. Um, Obviously, you were so mad. You you were so mad at the committee then. When you you are lying to the entire nation right now, Joel Clatt. When you say the committee didn't have, you were steaming mad when you when you. I bet you threw something when you saw that LSU got the number one seed. Where were you? Not at all. Where were you in public? I'm in. I'm in New York. Were you in in public when? I'm not upset with it. And here's the thing is because people want to make this out like I don't think LSU is very good. LSU is phenomenal. Clay, LSU is a phenomenal football team. And they're playing better right now than they have, I think, all season long. So, yes, to a, to a certain extent, you are exactly correct about accelerating into the turn. You just always take it a step further as if Ohio State is not also a great team. I'm I not saying they're not good. I'm just saying a great team. in the last six halves – there are three of those halves that they have played where they have not looked very good. Well, I mean, and I would point to the 400 yards rushing that LSU gave up and the amount of points that they gave up during the middle of the season. Like, I can find you three quarters or three halves of football where LSU didn't look dominant as well. Um, And by the way, it wasn't against three AP top ten opponents at the time. Look, Texas A&M played against eight top ten teams, blah, 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 blah. Texas A&M is not a bad team, all right? They played against Clemson. They played against Alabama. LSU destroyed destroyed them. I mean, LSU is not a bad team. They did not. And then I believe the fact that Georgia has not given up more than 20 points all season to anybody, and they've played a pretty tough schedule. And then LSU comes out and puts up 37 on them and, frankly, could have put 50 up on them. If they had but, needed see, you're to, you're trying to make it. You're trying to convince me that LSU is good. LSU is phenomenal. I'm not upset that LSU got the number one seed. They deserve it in a large extent. I thought if Ohio State would have been ranked number one, they would have deserved it. 
I really so who do you like? All right, let's instead of uh, arguing SEC versus Big Ten, let's go to Clemson versus uh, Clemson versus. I'm not arguing versus that. You guys always want to do that. That's my point: is that you're trying to take shots at Ohio State when both teams are phenomenal football teams. Well, we have to rank one better than the other, and I think the committee got it right. But AC, who do you favor in Clemson versus Ohio State? I think it's a coin flip. I think Vegas would agree whether they have Clemson by one um, when it opened, I believe. Which yeah, is it's around. A, it's, it's bounced around. Two, it's as high as three for Clemson and uh, as low as a pick at some places as this thing is kind of settled. Yeah, and I would, I would generally agree with that. Um, I think it's going to be a phenomenal football game. I really do. I, I'm interested to see how Clemson defends the run because I think that's what makes Ohio State so – so good and so dominant during the course of this year is that they can close games out with their running attack with J.K. Dobbins. Um, I think that the health of Justin Fields is going to be a huge factor because remember, during this stretch where you want to claim that they're not very good because they played three subpar halves saying, against they are teams, three out of six. He had a sprained MCL. Yeah, three out of six almost, is significant. Uh, okay, you're right. You're such a clown. <laughs> I got to tell you. Like, your, your narrative is so tired, I can't get over that fact. After I get over that fact, briefly, I will tell you that his health makes a huge difference. When he's healthy and when he can convert on third down with his leg, that makes them a vastly uh, better football team. He could not run very well against Wisconsin. I think it was a big reason why they were so slow in the first half because they were having to change what they were doing. They finally got it going from the pocket, which um, uh, helped him out certainly in that second half against Wisconsin. Um, so to me, it really has to do with that knee and how healthy he can get that knee with this long break uh, as we lead into the semifinal game. I can't wait to watch that defense, in particular the secondary, go against Trevor Lawrence and those wide receivers because I think that that would, at this point, as good as that secondary is, and I think it's probably one of the more talented ones in the country, I, I, I think Clemson has the edge there with the experience that they have, the athleticism that they have, the height that they have. The big wide receivers from Michigan gave Ohio State problems. The one thing Ohio State does really, really well, and it's because they've got such a um, um, incredible coaching staff with NFL experience, and I think LSU, you could also put into this boat with Joe Brady, is that they make adjustments as well as anybody. So one of the reasons why – you know, you're nitpicking about halves. You could also say that they make great adjustments, in particular at halftime of the Michigan game, in particular at halftime of the Wisconsin game, change some things up, completely stifled and shut down the opposition that was having a little bit of success in that first half. So you keep pushing those narratives, and I'll just keep analyzing football. Uh, when you look at the for salty Joel Klatt joining us from New York City, when you look, it was so mad when LSU got the number one overall seed. Which of these Not four college they deserve fo- it? LSU's phenomenal. LSU what? is phenomenal. Joe Brady's taking home the Heisman Trophy. What an incredible year that they've had. Can't say that enough. Which of these hires that was announced over the weekend effectively do you like the most? Mike Norvell to Florida State, Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss, Eli Drinkwitz to Mizzou, or Mike, uh, sorry, Sam Pittman to Arkansas? Do you like one of those the most uh, as they're announced? Well, clearly it's Kiffin. <laughs> How amazing <laughs> is that going to be for college football? I can't, I, listen, I can't wait. I'm a little disappointed. I've had him two straight years now in two different games. And uh, I'm a little disappointed that I won't get to see him 
um, you know, for the foreseeable future, unless it's some sort of non-conference game. But uh, Kiffin in, in Oxford, man, I got to tell you, that's that is just rich. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see that. I think some of those other hires, to be honest, are are suspect at best. And the the, the fastest way for your conference overall to take a dip is by not having a really good deep roster of head football coaches. And I think that the the middle to bottom tier in the SEC is, is struggling right now when it comes to coaching staff. Um, I think you would probably agree with me on that. That's not a shot. I, I mean, that you can say that across. I think the Pac-12 has been in that boat. I think that the Big 12, one of the reasons you're seeing such good parity is because they have quality football coaches in the middle of their conference, guys like Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Um, obviously, you know, the Big Ten, you've got James Franklin that has provided a lot of depth at the top in the Big Ten. You've got those four or five really good head coaches in the SEC that make the top of that conference so good and so dominant. Um, and in the middle and the bottom tier of that conference, Outstanding I think really stuff, struggling. as always, from Joel Klatt. Final segment next. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Around the horn, do you guys believe that Joel Klatt wasn't mad when LSU got the number one seed over Ohio State? But first, coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, uh, that's all I have to say, I guess. Uh, All right, do you believe Joel Klatt was actually not mad when LSU got the number one seed? Danny G. Not as mad as he was with you when that interview was over. (laughs) (laughs) He is the nicest guy off the air, by the way. And when I usually thank him afterwards and talk to him for a minute on the phone, he's laughing. And even if you have to cut him off or whatever because you go long, he's cool. But this time I got on the phone with him and he just was still salty. Salty is not the word. Uh, what about you, Dub? Do you buy into the fact that he wasn't? I believe Joel was furious that LSU got the one seed. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he is right though. They had three legit options to put there, so you you couldn't really have too many. It is issues. pretty amazing. Oh, uh, for Clemson has won twenty eight straight games, and they were the three seed. I mean that, and and they're the defending national champion. Obviously, they went fifteen and zero last year, and they have started off the season thirteen and zero this year. Now the ACC is just god awful. It's a total dumpster fire. But I mean, to be twenty eight and zero is Pretty remarkable, and to not be the number one or two seed. And by the way, they're favored over Ohio State by a couple points. So I think Clemson would be favored over LSU by a couple points too. There's not a lot that separates these three teams, but we'll see what happens out in Arizona. Do you think he legit hates you now? Uh, I think at times he hates me, yes. Um, I don't think he legit all the time hates me. But I guarantee you, like, that's what I was saying. Were you in public when the committee rankings came down? Because I, I can guarantee you, like, I can just see him taking his remote and hurling it uh, as hard as he could, you know, like into a pillow. Like when you're not really trying to hurt anything, you know, but like if you're standing watching a game and like there's a pillow that you can throw your remote into or your phone, like sometimes you get mad. And back in the day, you used to be able to slam the, uh, you know, like slam the handle down, you know, on the old school phones. You're like, I'm never talking to you again. Boom. And you would like hang up and it'd be like, oh, that's it's like, a you know, the phone shakes and you kind of get like the anger out a little bit. Now, when you're angry at somebody on your cell phone, you're like, I'm going to push this button so hard when I hang up on you. And then you like just mad and you like throw your phone into a pillow. But you don't really want to hurt the phone. It's like that's yeah, the anger. They're expensive. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about? Like you throw your phone into a pillow or you're watching a game and you throw your remote into the pillow. You don't want it to be broken, but you want to get that 
that enjoyment of throwing something. I feel like there's probably a business in just having really soft pillows that you can throw things into so you can get angry at your phone and get angry at the remote. I think that was Joel Klatt. By the way, how nervous are you guys now about the fact that you got the $5,000 fantasy football situation tonight? Oh, man. I wish it was the other way around. I wish we were rooting for the Eagles and not the Giants. According to the CBS Sports Fantasy Sports Forecaster, you know, they have that little thing up at the top where it tells you whether your team's likely to win or not. I am an 88% favorite against Sal. And Sal was like throwing stuff like yesterday too. He was mad. He was really mad about uh, the fact that his team was losing because he's got $5,000 at stake for me. So you should be moving on to the next round. Yeah, should be moving on to the $15,000 game against Furman. And, you know, Furman is going to be like, I mean, Furman's got like Excel spreadsheets of his fantasy oh, football. League. And he has it out for you because he's been having an unlucky season on Lock It yeah, In. He can't so far. win on Lock It In. I mean, first Fur- season, he was on fire. This season? Yeah, we've had 16 weeks of the show and he's won one week. Really kind of improbable. Uh, positive is for Lock It In, I've got Clemson and I've got LSU as my futures tickets on the show. So I'm rooting for Clemson LSU in the final so that I can take first place, you know, after five weeks or so or five months or so of the season two, which will be uh, be a good good position to be in. Committee got it right. LSU won as much as it pained Joel Klatt. Ohio State two. Uh, you've got uh, three spot Clemson and four spot Oklahoma. It's going to be fantastic. Huge wins for the Chiefs, for the Ravens, and also for the 49ers George Kittle man play of the weekend and what I think was the NFL game of the year 49ers back to the one seed a lot more still to come download the podcast this is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern 3 a.m. Pacific at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.